Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is game-changing predictive machine learning presented by SAP. The best run SAP. You'll hear from innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo around how predictive capabilities are utilized and delivered to create real business impact. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the game changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best run. We always say it, we always mean it, and it's true. I have a quote here. The buzz on the street is a quote from a gentleman named Dave Waters, W-A-T-E-R-S. And I found this quote on a website called supplychaintoday.com, machine learning quotes. Surprise, surprise. I don't know who he is, but this is a very picturesque quote. So listen up. A baby learns to cry crawl, walk, and then run. We are in the crawling stage when it comes to applying machine learning. I thought that was a little visual. It could set us up very nicely. So what are we talking about? I have a true or false question for you. Get your pencils ready. Because everything we need to function and thrive today already exists. Let me just let you have that sink in for a minute. Everything you need is already here. Does that mean innovation is slowing down, that it needs to slow down, that we need to make it slow down, we say not true. No, no, no. As more businesses adopt predictive machine learning technology, which is the subject of the series, we're seeing the emergence and adoption of machines that can learn, can operate, and process information at a speed that goes right past the capabilities of our human brains. This, in turn, is giving rise to new ideas, new products and services, and new markets. So the question on the table today, is your company on board yet? And our topic officially is the machine era, disruptive innovation and ideation. So welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. And let me give you who our three panelists are. I think you're going to be very intrigued with their thought leadership. First up, we're welcoming back an almost regular guest. He was on our Internet of Things with Game Changers show just last week with me. His name is Brian Matamore. He's the co-founder, and I love his title, Chief Idea Guy at the Growth Engine Company. Happy to have him back. Joining him is a newcomer, Omar Meher, and he spells his last name M-A-H-E-R. He is the practice lead for machine learning at a company called Esri, E-S-R-I, and we'll find out what they do and what he does. And I am thrilled about our third panelist. His name is John Skitka, and he is in solution marketing at SAP, but he is the sponsor of this series, which started just a few weeks ago, one of our newest Game Changers series. So I have to say, John, it's about time you showed up on one of your panels. That's all I can say. So let's start off with Brian Mattimore. And Brian has sent us a quote from Linus Pauling, 1901 to 1994, American chemist, biochemist. That's a new one for me. Peace activist. Well, that's quite a resume. Author, educator, and the husband of American human rights activist, Ava Helen Pauling. He published more than 1,200 books and papers, about 850 of which dealt with scientific topics, and he has been called one of the 20 greatest scientists of all time, and he was rated the 16th most important scientist in history back in the year 2000. All right, already, Bonnie, get to the quote. Here we go. Quote, satisfaction of one's curiosity is one of the greatest sources of happiness in life. Brian Matamore, how have you been since we spoke last week? Well, I've been great, and I've been busy, and I thank you for having me back on. I'm looking forward to this. 
Well, we're delighted. So talk to me, explain the quote. Linus Pauling, scientist, and here we're talking about machine learning, and we often talk about the role of data scientists when we talk about machine learning. How does this quote apply to our topic? Brian? Well, two things. I, you know, I think um, the curiosity is key here, and you, you, you sort of alluded to it, but Linus Pauling, as the viewers may or may not know, actually won two Nobel Prizes, one for his biochemistry work, yes. the other for his peace, act, peace activism. And so talk about curious, right? I mean, we're talking about a Renaissance man here. And so I, I feel the same thing is true of you know, predictive machine learning, that uh, we have to be curious in all areas and all fields because uh, it's the application of principles not only with in the discipline, but outside of the discipline that can, can lead to breakthroughs. And, um, and those breakthroughs happen because we're curious, number one, and number two, we not only are we curious, but we take action to, quote, satisfy that curiosity. And my, um, my life has been spent really uh, coming up with uh, techniques and processes and methodologies to help people, quote, satisfy their curiosity. Very interesting. And, and Brian, I, I just have to ask you for a moment, how did you come up with the idea to call yourself the chief idea guy? It sounds so whimsical. It sounds so personal. And I've never met anybody who had a title like that. So where does that come from? Uh, gosh. <laughs> um I, I, Is that a hard you know, question? <laughs> I, wanted to, yeah, I know. I'm, I'm not sure. To, to, I, I, know I agree. That I wanted something different. I wanted something sort of accurate, and I wanted something uh, approachable and authentic and familiar. I didn't want to, you know, president and, you know, head ah. of the world. Uh, and, and so that's, I think that's, that was the wish, if you will. That's where I started. And then I, you know, I, I, I think in conversation, actually, I think it just came out. You know, what do you do? Well, I'm, you know, we come up with ideas. I'm like the chief idea, you know, the chief idea guy. Oh, okay, there you go. And, I and love as it. As soon as I said it. Um, it was, uh, the people laughed, and so I thought this is great. I think it is great, and I think it's great because we're talking about innovation, and that's when you get invited on panels, innovation, ideation, and disruption, all there in the title of the show. Brian, welcome back, and so happy to have you on board. You, and now let's go to one of our two newcomers today, Omar Maher at Esri, and Omar has sent us a quote from Stephen Hawking, who left us recently. Stephen William Hawking, he had a lot of letters after his name, C-H-C-B-E-F-R-S-F-R-S-A, 1942 to 2018, English theoretical physicist, cosmologist, and author, director of research at the Center for Theoretical Cosmology at the University of Cambridge, and anybody who's been alive in recent times know he suffered from a terribly debilitating disease, ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, but he just kept on keeping on. He actually lived to the age of 76. Brilliant man. And here is the quote Omar has selected. The greatest enemy of knowledge is not ignorance, it is the illusion of knowledge. Omar Maher, what a wonderful quote. Welcome to Game Changers, and how are you today? Thank you, Bonnie. I'm doing great. Thank you. Good. We're delighted to have you. So talk to me. How did you pick this quote? Are you a big fan of Hawking? I'm definitely a big fan of Hawking and the theory of general relativity and time travel and all of these amazing uh, time-space concepts. And I find this quote very relevant to the world of machine learning. 
So tell me, what does this all mean to you in terms of knowledge, the illusion of knowledge? That's the nugget I take out of this quote. The illusion of knowledge. Are people going around saying, oh, sure, I know what machine learning is. It's really cool stuff. It's this new technology. It's going to make us all smarter, and we'll all be able to go sit on a beach somewhere for 20 years instead of working. Is that the illusion of knowledge (laughs) that we're talking about? I'm sorry. I don't know who I was imitating. Go, Go ahead, Omar. Talk to me a little more. Well, that's definitely a type of, of, of illusion, right? So, you know what, Bonnie, actually, so one of the core aspects of machine learning is predictive, the ability to predict things, right? And on a daily basis, when I'm dealing with my customers from different sectors, I always find that like 95% of them at least have some illusion about the factors that they think are contributing to this phenomena they want to predict. So if they want to predict sales or they want to predict car crashes or they want to predict um, uh, water pipe failures, etc. They have some understanding of what are the factors that lead to this. And in most cases, we discover that there are um, some other significant factors that lead to this phenomena. And machine learning is very powerful in capturing those factors. So that's why I like this quote. It accurately Thank- describes the yep. power of machine learning. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm glad we got that and appreciate it. We're looking forward to a lot more from you during the show. And now let's go a little bit farther around the table. And John Skitka at SAP has sent us a quote from Anne Rice. She was born, let me see, uh, Howard Allen Francis O'Brien. Do I have the right bio here? American author of gothic fiction, Christian literature, and erotica. Am I, do I have the right Anne Rice, John? Is that correct? You have the right Anne Rice. Okay, perhaps best known for her series of novels, The Vampire Chronicles. That's how we all know we're revolving around the central character of Lestat, L-E-S-T-A-T. Books from the Chronicles were the subjects of two film adaptations, Interview with the Vampire in 1994 and Queen of the Damned in 2002. Her books have sold nearly 100 million copies, placing her among the most popular authors in recent American history. She also authored books such as The Feast of All Saints, adapted for TV, and Servant of the Bones. I'm going to leave it at that. So here's the quote John has picked. Very few beings really seek knowledge in this world. Few really ask. On the contrary, they try to wring from the unknown the answers they have already shaped in their own minds. John, that's a heck of a quote. How are you? I am well, thank you, Bonnie. So, talk to me about the quote. And are you a big fan of the Vampire Chronicles? Actually, yeah. I I do enjoy the Vampire Chronicles. It was uh, an interesting series to read. Uh, And the quote to me fit really, really well with what we're trying to discuss here. And you'd almost think that we colluded, and we didn't. I mean, these are all independent quotes sent into you without us even talking to each other. But when I I take a look at this and what Omar just talked about, about clients having preconceived notions about the factors that influence things, and they they already have the answers in their own minds as to what they're, they're, they're looking for. And, and you go back to, you know, ideation and how you become the idea guy uh, mm-hmm. and staying curious. And I think that is one of the biggest issues that we face. Machine learning is a tool. It's a very powerful tool. But it really only is a tool. I mean, there's a substantial difference between artificial intelligence, which is sentient intelligence, and mm-hmm. machine learning, which is... 
a machine that can do a task and will increase its performance at that task as it gains experience or does things. In other words, if I'm going to play Go and it learns what moves helped it win versus what moves didn't help it win, it will become better at playing Go. But it will not be able to discuss the merits of um, the Vampire series with me because it can only play Go. It is a tool to do a specific thing. So the problem we have is how do we apply those tools? What are the problems we're going to solve? So how do you stay curious? How do you stay open to Omar's concept uh, of, of not having preconceived notions, of already knowing what the answer will be? Because the answers may well lay outside the realm of what you already know and are comfortable with. So to me... This is very true as we try to apply this tool and we try to innovate, is that you have to really be curious. You have to really seek knowledge. You have to actually see what are the problems and how will solving those problems make things better. Thank you, John. And John, let me ask you a question. Since you and your team came up with this really interesting topic for us today, do you think complacency has a lot to do with it? I opened with the question, because everything we need to function and thrive today already exists. Do you agree with that, true or false? Do you think people are saying, wow, we've got so much innovation. We've got so many new things, new toys and new sensors and new connectedness and new things that are connecting us digitally and we're always on and we're always part of the world. What do we need else? Why do we need more? Do you think it's a sense of complacency or saturation? Hmm? Um, I don't necessarily think it's complacency or saturation. I, I think it's comfort and fear of the unknown. In other words, I prefer to go ah. on a path that I know and that I'm familiar with and I'm comfortable with than walk into a dark room and not know what my feet are going to hit as I step forward. Very well put. Thank you very much. That put me in my place. Let me just go around the table. Complacency, uh, lack of curiosity, fear of the unknown. Brian Matamore, what is holding back innovation? Because we're going to be talking about from the perspective of machine learning, but just from the human side, do you think, wh- what do you think is holding back some of this need for more innovation? You know, I, I, I really think that uh, part of it is that we have become so sophisticated in so many areas, including uh, predictive mach- machine learning and data mining and artificial intelligence and robots and all the rest. What shocks me utterly, it, it just kind of blows my mind, is that we are frankly in the Stone Age in terms of ideation process. Mm. We really are. I mean, people are still doing, quote, brainstorming. And brainstorming, as is, is the listeners may or may not know, was invented in the late 1940s. Research has shown it basically doesn't work. Um, the rules, of course, are generate a lot of ideas and, and, and withhold judgment, uh, which is fine. But uh, to really get new things, you, you have to, and this is the key thought here, is you have to introduce stimuli to people's brains to get them to trigger new ideas. And, and that, that's both a simple and a difficult statement, number one. And number two, there are now dozens and dozens and hundreds, if you will, of different, quote, ideation techniques or thinking processes mm-hmm the teams can use to come up with new ideas, and yet what happens? They go into a meeting and say, who's got some ideas? And then they say, who's got some more ideas? 
which is maybe okay at the beginning of a project, but boy, as you move down the road, you've got to come up with new ways to, to trigger people to get new ideas. And so, to me, we're, we're so advanced in so many areas, and, mm-hmm. and uh, talk about at the beginning of uh, a crawling. We're not even crawling. We're still in our diapers when it comes to ideation process. Well, my goodness. Ooh, somebody's got some nice music there. Very interesting. <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Uh, let's go to Omar. Omar, I'd just love to know what you think about it. Fear? afraid to take a risk complacency are we saturated what's your thought on what might be slowing down innovation I think this is definitely one factor but I think another factor is uh, getting to know those new tools at first place and this is something that again I face on a daily basis with the people I meet they hear about AI they hear about machine learning they hear about deep learning in the news in Facebook in Instagram but they don't really understand it so understanding technology and understanding those new tools is one important aspect of getting to innovate and getting to use those tools to be innovative, right? And that's, what, that's one thing I really enjoy the most, demystifying those concepts, explaining, explaining them in simple English, and getting people to understand how they work and what are the outcomes of them. So I think this is a very important cornerstone of adopting innovation. Thank you very much. Very thoughtful answers. And I I want to tell our listeners that the quotes my three panelists sent me were sent independently. We don't gather around a table or a campfire and say, everybody come up with a quote about curiosity and knowledge. That doesn't happen for game changers. They send me their input for the show independently, sometimes days or weeks apart, and nobody knows what the others are going to say. So I found it very telling that we had a quote about curiosity from Linus Pauling. We had one about the enemy of knowledge, the illusion of knowledge from Stephen Hawking and one from Anne Rice about do we think we have the answers already shaped in our own minds. So bravo to the three panelists. Now it's time to get to know you all a little bit better briefly. So we're going to go around the table and Brian's done this a couple times before. Brian Mattimore, I'd love to know where are you today? What's your favorite drink in the whole world? I no longer ask what's in your cup today because that's limiting. So what do you love to drink? It's 2 p.m. here on the East Coast. It can be anything. Somebody's having cocktails somewhere in the world right now now i'm sure and just briefly what do you do as the chief idea guy brian Matamore, go well um i'm at growth engine innovation agency we're based in norwalk connecticut i'm in my office um i'm gonna i'm gonna if i may violate one of your rules i i'm not gonna tell you my favorite drink i just thought in the spirit of curiosity and exploration uh i would create a new drink here <laughs> and see what it oh, go ahead like. i love it go ahead so so i've got joe's unsweetened black tea so we got some of that, and I'm going to put in some Tropicana no pulp orange juice. And I've okay. never ever combined these before. I've never tasted them. There's probably good reason. I've just done that now. Let me take a taste. This has never happened before. John Skitka, your series is the first one where we had somebody actually creating an innovative, ideated drink on the air live. This is brand new. This is this is you know, exciting. It's not that bad. Okay. <laughs> I, I think if the orange juice were a little colder, I think if it were all colder, it's actually not bad. And I'm surprised because I, you know, I drink a lot of un, unsweetened iced tea that I've never combined it with uh, with orange juice. It sounds maybe disgusting, but it's not bad. It's pretty good. It doesn't sound disgusting. So we need a name for it, Brian Matamore. Is it going to be the Chief Idea Guy drink, or is it going to be the um, Ma- Matamore Aid, or what is it going to be? Well, uh, yeah, we, I, yeah, I'd like to call it, uh, instead of the Arnold Palmer, we'll call it the Brian Mattimore, but I, I don't think <laughs> we should do that. We, we could, um, I guess, you know, we could mash up orange with uh, 
tea or t- the torrange or you know un- untorrange. Blorange, uh, the blorange. Torrange. I kind of torrange. Like anyway, I'm going to go with blorange. Thank you very much. And tell blorange, us briefly yes, nice. what what your company does briefly. So we're an innovation agency, so we help companies come up with new stuff. We help them invent the future, and we do that uh, through our ideation process and also qualitative research methodologies. And this could take the form of new strategies. We're always, quote, eating our own dog food and that we invent new processes to help our clients invent new processes. So, you know, we do things like disruptive wargaming sessions and trade link and global virtual ideation. So we have a lot of fun applying our expertise and, and I would hope world-class knowledge on different uh, creative thinking processes, uh, not only to solve uh, our clients' problems, if you will, but to generate new services for ourselves and then share those with the world. And I've, I've written three books about these processes because I think it's, it's really important to share them with the world as well. Thank you. And I have to do a disclaimer. I met Brian Mattimore in New York at the National Publicity Summit where I go to get authors, new authors, mostly self-published for my Monday night show that I do author interviews, nothing to do with Game Changers Radio. I was so intrigued with his book about your next big idea that I invited him to come on Game Changers Radio. And he has been with us for a couple of years now. So it was a good find. So thank you, Brian, very much. Omar Maher, Maher, we're very happy to have you here. And we'd love to know a little bit about you, number one. Where are you in the world today? Number two, what's your favorite drink that really makes you feel innovative and ready to disrupt? And number three, what do you do at Esri? Awesome. So I'm currently at Redlands, California. It's about one and a half hour from Los Angeles. And uh, my favorite drink is cappuccino vanilla. Um, mm. It's a bit classical, but I really love it. And it helps me during the weekdays to like concentrate uh, and have a good energy uh, boost. And on the weekends, actually, I generally love it because I like the vanilla taste. And what I'm doing at Esri, I'm leading the AI and machine learning practice. And what we are doing, actually, is basically helping people understand location. So we provide a platform to analyze location data. So helping companies like uh, retailers choose the best area to open up a new store or transportation agencies plan their uh, infrastructure or uh, any kind of other agency to understand what's happening location-wise. And I'm leading the AI slash machine learning kind of unit uh, right now in this company. Thank you very much. Good to get to know you. I think I've had some other people from your company on our Internet of Things with Game Changers shows, perhaps earlier this year or last year. I'm a little bit familiar with Esri. I have to tell you, I found a definition for a French vanilla cappuccino. Is that what you're drinking? Hmm? Yep, exactly. (laughs) Okay, there's a little blurb here from McDonald's. No, I'm not selling anything. It says, our cappuccino is bold and classic, made with McCafe espresso topped with fresh Canadian milk. There, John, they're using Canadian milk, steamed and froth. Add your choice of a French vanilla, sugar-free vanilla, or caramel flavor shot. Okay, that wasn't the recipe I was looking for, but anyway, it sounded good. Thank you, Omar. That's a new drink for us here. Thousands of drinks, and that's a brand new one, as is the one that Mr. Matamore just... (laughs) uh, By the way, Brian, I got a note from Aaron, our engineer, Engineer, and he said, "Hey, hey, mom, do you want some blorange?" <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> he says it just rolls off the tongue. I don't think we can use that. John, I'm ready for you. Where are you? What do you absolutely love to drink? And tell us a little bit about your role at SAP. So I'm currently in Waterloo, Ontario, Canada, about 45 minutes outside of Toronto, uh, and uh, it's tea, Earl Grey, hot. Um, <laughs> which 
uh, actually is Picard's favorite way of ordering it. Um, and to me, that actually kind of embraces what we're doing and where we're going um, into the unknown, uh, into, into the future, um, into uh, paths that have totally been uncharted to go back to the series before that, to go where no one has gone before. Uh, and I, I think that we have some uh, amazing human capacity uh, to take us, take us there in, in an amazing way. Uh, at SAP, I uh, help customers uh, embrace digital, digital transformation and um, become truly intelligent enterprise um, as, as they use things like machine learning and democratize it well beyond just the traditional base of, of the data science community into the hands of business analysts and BI users so that, as Omar mentioned earlier, I mean, if, if you can get those tools um, known and people understand the tools and people are able to use the tools, you're going to democratize this and you're going to have a wealth of people who will actually be able to solve problems um, because they are exposed to the problem where others aren't. Thank you, John. And I want to compliment you on coming up with the idea for this series. This is a new topic we have not covered before. So very, very happy to have you as part of the Game Changers Radio family. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, but as Brian knows, uh, John doesn't know and Omar doesn't know, there's somebody called they, and they don't let me anywhere near caffeine on radio show days, whether it's coffee <laughs> or tea or even chocolate milk. So all I have is cool, clear water and a cool, clear mug that I brought with me when I was moving from New York. 11, oh, 12 months ago. This is my one-year anniversary relocating to Durham, North Carolina. So I've got a cool, clear mug here with a yellow straw because it is a beautiful sunny day with just a few fluffy white clouds and blue sky. And this is the way we like it. A little hot, still in the 90s, but we should get over that soon. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, however you're listening to us. We promise we'll be back 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. Just start right now. Aaron, out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. From understanding user and business needs to exploring enabling technologies and operationalization to developing cultures that embrace democratization and pervasive use of predictive capabilities by all, SAP helps you explore how predictive machine learning is transforming business. Game-changing predictive machine learning brings you insights from those who are helping to make this happen. We'll delve into global business challenges across all lines of business to explore what needs to change to effectively exploit predictive machine learning across the enterprise and how you can go from lagging to transformational. Tune in to the business channel to hear today's predictive machine learning business and technology strategy thought leaders share expert insights on how predictive machine learning is shaping the future of change for all of us. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You're 
listening to Game-Changing Predictive Machine Learning, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game-Changing Predictive Machine Learning, presented by SAP. Yes, indeed, and we're back. This is where you want to be because we're talking today about the machine era, disruptive innovation and ideation. My three special guests are Brian Matamore from the Growth Engine Company, Omar Meher from ESRI, E-S-R-I, and John Skitka at SAP, who is the proud sponsor of this very exciting series called Game Changing Predictive Machine Learning Radio presented by SAP. You already knew that. Ready to start our roundtable, and we're going to start off with some notes here from Brian Matamore, and here's what he told me before the show. He says, the increasing globalization of the workforce and changing work environments will force new virtual models of innovation. Brian, tell us a little bit, and then we'll see what Omar and John have to say. Go ahead. Well, yeah, I mean, and specifically with uh, respect to uh, predictive machine learning, um, you know, the, the, the world-class talent is probably not based in L.A. or Toronto or any one place in particular. It's, of course, all around the world. And so that necessarily says, well, how can we get the best out of these people to come together to really have the, the advantage of one plus one equals three? How can we trigger each other uh, to get new breakthroughs in these areas. And, and so we've done some work with our clients um, around uh, we call it global virtual ideation. Uh, it's really how do you, what are the rules, if you will, what are the processes, what are the techniques that allow teams to, to be more productive and generate more breakthrough ideas, even though they are not co-located. And the, the, the thing I would tell the listeners is don't try to, to do a brainstorming session, right? I mean, don't try, try to do a classic approach to these kind of things. There are different rules. There are different approaches. There are different models that you have to adopt in order to make machine learning, or excuse me, uh, global virtual ideation work. Um, one of the things is to think of some of what you would consider the negatives, the fact that you're not together um, mm-hmm. at the same time, as a positive. And so how can the fact that you have time to actually think about things, uh, how can that help trigger new ideas? The key um, is, is using, the key that we have found is using your coworkers not only to generate ideas, but to generate stimuli, and this could be questions, it could be uh, prov- provocations, whatever you want to call it, that trigger your coworkers to get those ideas. And so I'll pause now and let our panel uh, discuss Very interesting. And, that. Brian, while you're talking, it reminds me of the recent improv class I took here at the People's Improv Theater that you come up with an idea from just a suggestion from the audience or from a, a, a partner in a scene, and you go and develop from there, and that's really the, that's the stimulus. That's the stimulus. So, Omar, love to get your thoughts on what Brian's talking about, ideation and innovation on a virtual model. What do, what do you think? I totally agree about this, actually, because I have literally lived it in different phases in my life. Really? I experienced that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I experienced that in two startups I co-founded before. I'm experiencing it right now with my team. And I definitely see the need to consider those virtual models for innovation. I mean, if I'm talking from a talent perspective, just to let you know, I've interviewed like 80 persons so far, and I haven't hired except one in my team. And that's because there is a huge talent war in America today for machine learning and AI folks. 
And that's what enforced us to go look for this talent outside. So we are looking at some other countries uh, across uh, near to us and far from us. We are working with a lot of virtual people from a lot of uh, countries. And that's the same thing I've done with my startup. So many of the team members were co-located in some other uh, place. And thanks to the fast internet connectivity, thanks to the amazing productivity apps on the cloud, thanks to the, all the amazing tools, it's doable to do work in virtual places. And I think this applies to people and ideas as well. So crowdsourcing ideas. And by the way, I used to be like an innovation officer before in one of uh, the phases in my life. So I definitely can relate to the thoughts being shared here about ideation and innovation. So I see virtual models to deal with people virtually from different places, virtual teams. I see the need to uh, do this kind of ideation and stimuli across the borders. I do this every day. I am usually on calls uh, with people from Africa, Middle East, Americas, Asia, like every day. And it needs to happen that way to overcome the physical barriers. So definitely agree with that. Thank you very much. John, before I get you in, I just have a question for Omar. I'm tweeting this, and you say there was a huge talent war in the U.S. today for machine learning roles. And was there something else you said after that? I want to get the complete quote because it was very compelling. Yeah, it's it's a talent war on machine learning resources and deep learning and AI resources. That's That's the case today. You cannot imagine actually how crazy it is. Like There is a huge demand today with very limited supply. And I think the main reason for that is the rush to uh, deep learning and machine learning is very recent. Like It has been there since the 50s, but the kind of value coming out of it, thanks to computation power, thanks to new algorithms, thanks to cloud computing, is, is just growing exponentially. And hence, the business value is uh, very big compared to what has been happening historically, and hence the need for those resources. So yes, there is a huge talent war right now. Thank you very much. John Skitka, love to get your thoughts. We've got some very compelling and exciting ideas on the table. What do you think? No, I, I fully agree with, with, with both of them. Um, I mean, when you take a look at talent, it doesn't reside in one place. It is a global thing. And I think the value of that is there's different cultures, different stimuli, different. So e- e- even though I may be an ex- expat Canadian living in Germany, um, I'm exposed to different stimuli, different culture, different surroundings than those that are back in Canada. So my perspective will be slightly different than theirs. Uh, so I, I think that that value is exceptionally strong, and I, I think that what really needs to happen, we talk about uh, virtual, virtual tools, is that the tools that we use have to have strong collaboration capabilities within them to allow that global uh, ability to work and collaborate within a single tool, with, within a, a single framework. Thank you very much. Uh, I have to say, Bonnie, John, I just a couple, wanted to build yeah, on what, go what ahead, John Brian. said, if I could. Yeah, I'm going to, too, um, but you go first. You go first. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, uh, just that um, when we did a global project for a large uh, healthcare organization, uh, we had 18 offices worldwide. The cultures were so vastly different, even though there was one product being marketed in all these cultures. But what we found that was so wonderful and so extraordinary, uh, and this gets to John's point about the power of different cultures, we had those different uh, leaders in each country pull out stimuli outside of their category. So interesting ways that products were, were marketed or presented at Shell for different packaging, 
happening or different ways they were distributed, we acted as, as sort of the curator of all that, put that all together, and then reintroduced all that stimuli to those 18 offices worldwide. And so it's almost like this, you know, global game jam, if you will, where the world was, the world, uh, was stimulating the rest of the world to come up with very innovative ideas. Thank you, Brian. And I just want to hark back to a show we did for John series a couple of weeks ago. And the title was Business Analyst by Day. Uh, you're going to get a kick out of this, Omar. Business Analyst by Day, Data Science Hero by Night. And we talked about what color cape the hero would be wearing, the masked hero who was going to be a citizen data scientist. We did a show on the citizen data scientist as well. And that goes exactly in line with what Omar just said, the talent war for machine learning and deep learning skills. So good around the table there. I'm going to go to something let's talk about. Let's focus on machine learning and data. I think it's time to circle back around the wagons and do that. So I'm looking at Omar's notes and Omar Meher has said machine learning is not a magic bullet. Many people are under the impression that AI, artificial intelligence, and machine learning are capable of solving any problem Far from the truth. They're most useful for prediction and automation when we have the needed amount of data. There's the data word. So, Omar, why don't you fill us in, and then we'll go around the table and see what John and Brian have to say. Please go ahead. Definitely. Uh, and this is something I face a lot. Like people, There is an overbuzz happening right now on social media of what can AI achieve, and we are all seeing those videos of different robots and amazing kind of achievements. But the fact is machine learning is basically an evolution of the traditional statistical modeling, which requires specific kind of data to make those predictions. If this data is not available, either in the needed quantity or quality, then the algorithm will not work. It's just a tool. And guess what? 80% of the work we usually do is not machine learning. It's the pre-machine learning work of collecting this data, cleaning it, and getting it in a format that could be trained by models. And then after doing the machine learning, it's not the end of the world. So if you are predicting something like predicting a stock price or predicting sales or whatever, you need to take some action. You need to do some more analysis. So it's a complete workflow that starts with collecting the needed data, cleaning it, putting it in a decent format, and then doing machine learning, and then after that, taking some action. So this actually, to happen, it starts from the data. So usually we find that many customers don't have the needed data or they have it in terms of quantity, but not in quality. So mm -hmm. setting the expectations of what exactly machine learning can do is really important. And understanding that we're not there yet, we don't have a human level intelligence, we just have a tool that can automate some actions or predict some events based on some data is really important to get the max out of these tools. Thank you very much. I think that was a good reality check. John Skitka, I know you have something to say about this. Talk to me. No, I, I, I mean, the data is very important, and, and the data is critical because it has to be there. It has to be formatted properly. But I also think that, yes, right now, a lot of the time of the team is, is spent formatting and cleansing and, and, and cleaning the data, but there is work that is ongoing to have machine learning cleanse the data for you. Uh, one of the things, I, I started mm. in this with big data way back when, and it was, I have so much data, I don't know where to look or where to start. Can I have, and we talked about machine learning being something that improves its performance with experience. Can I get machine learning to prep the data for me? 
do that work mm. for me and do a lot of that heavy lifting for me. Very interesting. Brian, talk to us. Well, I like the idea of having help doing the heavy lifting because we, uh, we, you know, in this, this version of stimuli for ideation session, we are constantly using data or, or trends or um, new product scans or whatever it is uh, to trigger our, our, the, the people in our sessions. And we have to do that by hand, I mean, or by, by mind, if you will. And so, you know, one of the techniques we invented was called patent prompts, and that was a technique where we have a certain challenge and we know the key is, say, if we're inventing a new fuse box, it's how do we get, uh, you know, energy to flow in different ways. So we might search the patent database now, which is searchable by keywords, of course, to get analogs for, for things, how things flow or conduits or whatever. Um, and so we might go through several thousand patents and pull out maybe 50 to 100 that could trigger new ideas. But we have to do that ourselves, you know. And so to have uh, help... Um, in, in generating the stimuli that will generate the new ideas. I mean, how wonderful would that be? There you go. Omar, anything you want to say to quickly wrap up that one? We had a little difference of opinion there with John saying, let's use machine learning to do the lifting. What do you think? Yeah, we are actually starting to do this ourselves, doing some machine learning to machine learning that can learn, actually. So it's ironic. So, yes, there are techniques to do that today, and I think they're going to be more useful as more people adopt that. And um, I still think that for a decent proportion of the problems, this might be a challenge. So it can work at some point, it cannot work at some point, but it all, it, uh, in any case, it's really important to set the expectation with the audience. Thank you very much. John, I'm looking at your notes, and there are two things I'd like to talk about. I'm just going to bring up one and see if you want to talk about it. Otherwise, I'll bring up the second one. You say, like design thinking, innovation has to start with a well-defined, well-thought-out problem. And we've all heard the quote Einstein said, if he had an hour to solve a problem, he'd spend 55 minutes thinking about it and five minutes solving it. And Thomas Dewey also said, a problem well-stated is a problem half-solved. Do you want to talk about that in the context of, of ideation and the spark for innovation, John? If not, I'm going to go on to another topic. What do you think? I think that it fits well. Um, okay. Because when we take a look at this, and that is, is, is the issue, is that what is the problem we're trying to solve? And a lot of mm-hmm. times people have, I mean, Omar talked about setting the expectations. Uh, one of the big problems you have with people is they have a vague idea. I want to do X. But what does X actually mean? What is the problem you're actually really trying to solve? Is it maybe multiple problems and we're going to have to break it up into smaller bite-sized pieces? And I think that that is really where we have to start when we talk about creativity and innovation and applying tools like machine learning is what is the actual problem in a clearly defined way. And I go back to Einstein's, I mean, the 80-20 rule, he went beyond that, is a lot of time and effort has to go into, I mean, Omar talked about all the time and effort that it takes to prep the data before I can actually utilize it. Um, All the work and effort that actually has to go into actually clearly defining the problem so I really understand what it is I'm trying to solve. Thank you very much. Let's see what Brian Matamore has to say. We have to have a problem that we're in search of the solution to. I've got a leaf blower outside my window, so I'm going to put my hand on the mic. Brian, go ahead. 
Yeah, I mean, we spend a lot of time with our clients making sure we're solving the right challenge, and, and so I would mm-hmm. uh, definitely uh, agree with what's been said. Uh, the, just for your listeners, the easiest way or one of the most effective ways to do that is to do an exercise that is just simply questioning assumptions, where you sit down and you say, well, what are all the assumptions, you know, and, and you list maybe 20 of those, and what's interesting is you get the, you know, sort of some of the obvious assumptions at the beginning, and then it gets harder and harder, and then you get some uh, some real breakthroughs towards the end of that process. That's why we push people to, to get twenty. But you know, I, you know, if you're if you're in the hotel business, what's one of the most basic assumptions, right? That you have to have rooms to rent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, Airbnb didn't have any rooms. Same thing with taxis, right? Um, so. Um, you know, with Uber. So the, the, this questioning of the basic assumptions um, is, is critical to the work we do. And, and frankly, the assumptions have such limitations. When we were helping a company invent a new iron, we said, we don't want to do that. We want to, how do we invent new garment care devices? Framing the challenge differently um, was very powerful for getting breakthrough ideas. And it's certainly true of, of the data that's, that's inherent uh, and that, that, is, that is around uh, predictive machine learning as well. Thank you very much. Omar, join us. What do you think? Yeah, I totally agree about this as well. I, um, I, actually, one of my points, actually, as you might have seen, is figuring out the business challenge first. Think about the problem from a business perspective rather than jumping to technology, which I find many people doing. And uh, to be honest, many problems could be solved without machine learning today. So, again, it's just a tool that helps in some contexts. But guess what? Some sort of solutions, in many cases, are just to use the traditional analysis tools or the prescriptive analytics. So, uh, starting from the business side of things, figuring out the problem, and more importantly, breaking up this question. I mean, I think finding the right question is the most important step in all of this. Like, what are the questions we're trying to answer? And usually it's not one question. It's it usually mm-hmm. starts with one big question, and we work closely with, with, with the customer or the stakeholder or the entity to figure out the sub-questions under that question and turn those into sub-problems and start seeing what kind of problems could be solved using which kind of information products, and then which information products needs which kind of analytics. Some of them might require machine learning, some of them might not. And then at this point, we start seeing, okay, so we need to solve this question using this information product, using that machine learning model, and for this we need this kind of data, so let's do it. So this is the sequence, I think, uh, this is the healthy sequence, I would say, to utilize machine learning to innovate and to solve business challenges. Thank you very much. John, we have just about four minutes before we go to our predictions round, and I have something in here that I don't think we've spoken about yet, the resistance to change, the resistance to innovation. I'm just going to read a little snippet from your notes here, John Skitka, and see if you can just quickly build us out, and then we'll see uh, agree or disagree from Brian and from Omar. You say, from forklifts to programmable calculators to computer machines, to computers, comma, machines have aided humans from even before the Industrial Revolution, which rapidly changed the world. But the Luddites opposed it at the time. Now we have those who fear and oppose innovation, talking about predictive machine learning. John, what's your thought about this? So, again, I talked earlier about that fear of the unknown and, and, and the ability to stay with mm-hmm. comfort. Um, there has always been a resistance to change. People are talking about it will cost jobs. We will, But, I mean... 
as you go back to a previous show, you had someone who said, I tell my team, automate yourself out of your current jobs. You can focus on the really important things. So I, I think one of the barriers we have to innovation and to going forward is that fear of the unknown and, and, and the fear of change. And change management is an amazingly large part of everything that we do anywhere in our lives. Very well put. Brian, weigh in on this quickly, and then Omar, and then we're going to go in a minute and a half to predictions. Brian, what do you think? Uh, yeah, um, I was thinking about what I would say on my predictions, so I think I'll have to pass. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Brian, when you go into your, your ideation sessions with the companies yes. who hire the, the growth engine company wh- where you are, uh, do you ever get people saying, nah? We, we've, we've got enough. We don't want to do this now. Our company's fine. We, we don't need to innovate anymore. It's just going to disrupt, unsettle the apple cart. It's going to tip things over. No. Do you ever get that kind of resistance from somebody in the room who's talking oh, very absolutely. quietly? And in fact, we, yes. and, and it actually can be, quote, a positive resistance, meaning I remember Why? we did a session for a large credit card company one time, and we had such a, 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 a batch of terrific ideas that came out in the first hour with a technique we call brainwalking, triggered brainwalking, where it's kind of an idea volleyball thing. And the, they were incredible ideas. And the client said to me, and we had an all-day session plan, the client said to me, well, it's Miller time. We're done. We got, you know, and I said, no, we're not. We're just getting started. He's like, what are you talking about? We great, got great stuff. The point was that we, you know, we did have great stuff, but we got even more great stuff when we kept going. And so there's a tendency to stop at the first or second or third or 50th idea when it's the 51st idea that could be the real breakthrough. Because, um, and uh, the panelists probably know as well that, you know, probably only mm, 10, maybe 15% of the ideas generated in these ideation sessions are, are really worthy of further development. Very interesting. Uh, I have to do a little cultural uh, sidebar here, Brian. Uh, some of our listeners around the world may not know what Miller time is. Do you want to oh. just tell them, please? <laughs> well, it's an old analog. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. Just reference. tell them. Well, Miller time was a com- you know was for Miller beer, and it was yes. a commercial probably in the 80s or that. 90s. And it's say, okay, it's relaxing. We're done. It's Miller time. Thank you very much. That, that was a very popular one. You and I may be the only two on the call and remember that. But we we had an, uh, there, I can hear, see people scratching and say, "Who's Miller? Okay, why would he stop this?" Omar, quickly, what are your thoughts on this? Real fast, Brian, get your prediction ready because we're almost okay. out of time. Go ahead, Omar. Right. Talk, Tom, Omar. I think I think automation is the main output. Uh, I think um, many tasks would be automated, and I'm happy to expand on this actually in the prediction part. Uh, but I think the main value out of machine learning today is basically automation. So from a business perspective, it's important to think of what kind of tasks you need to automate and save time and let your people focus on the most important things. Thank you very much. Eloquent as always. Brian Matamore, you're up. 60 seconds. we got to keep it tight. Predictions. Let's look at, well, we can look at anywhere from five minutes after we're off the air, which is coming up very soon, to let's go as far as 2025. Where do you set your sights for your prediction, Mr. Matamore? Go. Well, one of the things I would be most intrigued about, because we're on predictive machine learning, and I'll set it up this way, um, we, when we're doing creativity training workshops, we, we sort of ask the people in the room, it's like, when you ask your coworkers for ideas, how well does that work for you? How successful are, we, are you with that? And invariably, people say, well, it really doesn't work. 
And why doesn't it work? Mm. It's because you're not asking good questions or specific questions or interesting enough questions. You can't say, bring me some ideas. You've got to be very specific of the requests that you have for those ideas. So to me, one of the predictions that I would be really intrigued with is losing, using uh, predictive machine learning to sort of generate some of those intriguing questions that could be funneled to the global virtual ideation teams to come up with ideas almost on a daily basis. You start the, the, your day with a provocative question that's been generated automatically, if you will, and this obviously includes AI here, but uh, how, how much more productive could we all be if we had this culture of curiosity, as I like to think about it, uh, where we're constantly being asked, asked these questions that could trigger new ideas? Thank you very much. Omar Meher, you're up 60 seconds. That's all we've got. Predict for me, please. I predict that by 2025, AI will unfortunately replace a lot of the existing jobs when it comes to seeing, talking, and reading. These are the three main capabilities that will boom for AI next, and they're already booming today. So any job that is related to observing phenomena from video feeds, for example, from images, AI is doing this perfectly today, outperforming humans, and it will continue to grow. Anything related to talking, like call centers, receiving requests from customers, understanding the requests, it's not going to be totally replaced, but it's going to be automated big time. And finally, reading. AI is becoming very good, and machine learning is becoming very good with reading, understanding text. So scanning a lot of documents, understanding what's in these documents, like what lawyers are doing or some of the jobs they're doing uh, as well. So my prediction is... uh, Seeing, talking, and reading are going to boom big time, and they are going to grow exponentially as you go from here to 2025. Thank you very much. John Skitka, I saved exactly 60 seconds for you. Go. So, I, good question, buddy. I don't know because the world changes so fast. The iPhone that I cannot live without was <laughs> only came into the market eight, 10, 10 years ago. Yep. So, I mean, it, it changes quickly. It's a tool. Uh, the tools will get far better. I mean, there's a group at MIT that is using Wi-Fi to look through walls to track human movement, i.e. stick figure, not just a blob, and mm. tracking telemetry, heart rate, respiration. So if I am talking about a nursing home, I can track patients and see if they're uh, you know, in need of help or, or whatever. Uh, so that's solving a problem. But the ideation, the, the up application of the tool, the coming up with the problems, will still be very much human. And that is where that change in job will shift from doing mundane tasks to doing how can I find these problems? How can I apply the technology to solve these problems? And machine learning will be a big part uh, of driving those solutions. Thank you very much. Thank you to our three panelists, Brian Matamor at the Growth Engine Company, Omar Meher at Esri. Omar, you rocked it. Welcome to our panel. And John Skitka, it's your series, and you can still come back anytime you want. I have to do a quick shout-out to a young lady who, with whom I've worked through the courtesy of uh, being introduced by John Skitka. It's Hannah White on John's team. She has been a summer intern here at SAP, and she's done a marvelous job of coming up with topics and working on the abstracts for the show a real team player, a talented young lady, and I know she has a brilliant future ahead of her, and I know John agrees. John, we shouldn't let her go. That's all I'm going to say. Shouldn't let her go. This is a brilliant, brilliant person, and we need people like her. So I'm just going to say also a shout-out to Aaron, our engineer extraordinaire, because he is not feeling well, and he stayed around an extra three hours on the job in, in, uh, at World Talk Radio just to 
produce the show for us, just to engineer my show. So thank you, Aaron. You're a real team player. So here is the call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, just like Brian Matamore, just like Omar Meher, and just like John Skitka. Bonnie DeGram signing off. I'll be back tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. Eastern, right here on the Business Channel with a live edition of more about video content marketing on our series called Think Big, Work Small with Game Changers focused on small business. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game-Changing Predictive Machine Learning, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.